They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are... Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling! the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you and powered by Bombas, the mind-blowing athletic leisure sock with a message to help those in need. And with that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime John Paz. John, how are you? Hey, yo, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, buddy? Doing very well, and we have a very tag team-focused episode because we have now the other half of the current Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, that is Frankie Kazarian, and what an awesome and delightful talk we had with Kaz, who covered everything from the current run in Ring of Honor throughout 12 years of TNA, even a little bit of WWE, but uh, talk about a veteran who knows the business very well and has a hell of an eye for talent. Oh yeah, he um, he's just great to talk to. Just besides the fact of him being a veteran in the business, he's just great to talk to. He's just a personable, great guy, and you know, and obviously he's very, very funny, very sarcastic. So I mean, that's always fun, and it goes for an easy, easy, smooth interview as well. So you know, that's that's always a plus. But as far as being a veteran of the business or the business, um, <laughs> he. Uh, he definitely is, you know, is that moniker, and he's definitely one of the best tag teams going today in the addiction. Yeah, he totally is. And, you know, we, we talked to Christopher Daniels a couple months back, and uh, they make such a great team together. And you see that the personalities that both have, and whereas uh, Daniels, I felt, was very business. Even though he's very goofy, you know, with the character he plays on TV, he's very business when we were talking to him. But Kaz, I felt, was a little bit more lighter in terms of his personality with us and definitely up for joking. Great line about suicide, which uh, you basically prepped me for, uh, which was hilarious that he he hits you with it. But uh, why don't you talk about a little bit some of the angles we talked about, obviously the Claire Lynch angle and TNA, but talking about the uh, the KRD angle, in Ring of Honor was pretty much my favorite part of the interview at the beginning where he uh, he gives Ring of Honor a ton of credit for putting together the angles they do. Yeah, the KRZ stuff is cool. I was curious about what he thought about it because if you really look at Ring of Honor now, they they aren't doing And he mentioned this uh, specifically in the interview too, but I always, I'm, you know, on the same wavelength with him in that thinking. He was, you know, Ring of Honor doesn't do a lot of those type angles. It's almost like great match, great match, great match. But with the KRZ, it was definitely something different. And you just, you know, it was a surprise. You, you didn't know who it was. There's three guys in red masks, you know, basically attacking everybody. And you're thinking, who the hell are these guys? They said they're going to change the face of Spring of Honor. And lo and behold, it turns out to be Daniels, Sabin, and, of course, Kazarian himself. But the whole angle was very much different and uh, doesn't align with a lot of the stuff our ways 
was doing. So it was cool to have an angle like that where it's completely different than other things, and you actually get a nice little heel turn and you know and a title win. Yeah, totally. And they were putting on some great matches even before that. You know that angle culminated with the reveal that they were the KRD, and some of the matches they had were just tearing down the house, and they have such a good chemistry together, and that was one thing that I thought was pretty cool about discussing the TNA run, and that is exactly how they were brought together as bad influence, because it was a part of the big AJ Styles, you know, ended up being the Claire Lynch angle, but the the feud with AJ, where I kind of was always curious myself that was it always built on Kaz turning on AJ, and going with Daniels, but Kaz actually said no. He was supposed to stay with AJ, and uh, I kind of find that hard to believe based on how kind of, you know, psychotic they made uh, Daniels there at the end with the angle. But uh, still, nonetheless, pretty cool that uh, in the midst of all the TNA booking issues, which he also addresses, that they managed to pull off another great swerve or turn from Kaz uh, and AJ breaking up and uh, him siding with Daniels. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I actually... You know, obviously, you read a lot and you hear a lot of rumors and stuff, but I actually didn't didn't even know that he was really supposed to, you know, end up here with AJ and really being a face. I thought maybe it was in the cards for him to be with Daniels the whole time. So that just makes me think, like, how much of a great mind he is for the business and how much of a great mind Daniels is that they came together and was like, listen, this should be a swerve on AJ. We should team. We have great chemistry in and out of the ring. And it just worked out perfectly because if you look at it back, Bad Influence was, I mean, obviously AJ Styles is an amazing wrestler, but Bad Influence was like the best thing TNA had going. They had all the, the cool, funny things they were doing, the Legion of Boom, uh, wrestling up, uh, you know, dressing up as this character, and, you know, just really having fun being crazy heels, drinking the martinis and stuff, or the apple teenies, excuse me, and, um, you know, all that funny heel stuff together, but it was funny to think about it. That wasn't TNA's original idea. It was actually Kaz and Daniel's idea, so it just gives them even more credit. Yeah, totally. And uh, actually, funny enough, one thing that uh, he mentioned, which I kind of glanced over, but you touched on as well, though, uh, was the interactions that they had with Hulk Hogan when they were going after him pretty hard. I just thought it was very, you know, you could see that they were going off the cuff, and he he was talking about how Hogan, uh, you know, had to bite his tongue because uh, he was going to laugh so hard. But, you know, just the stuff they were coming up with, uh, you could see that it was, so shocking when TNA got rid of them that they were pretty much the best part of TNA television for the better part of a year and a half, and to be unceremoniously let go was uh, kind of disappointing. Yeah, I mean, like he said, he wasn't shocked to see it happen. He saw the direction of the company where it was going, but it's still, to me, who was you know, big time supporter of TNA and, and loved. Joe and AJ and Daniel and Zarin and felt like they were the glue that held that company together. They were the backbone of the company. And then all of a sudden, bing, bang, boom, all four of them were gone. It's just, it is, it is a bit of a downer. So, so it's like, man, these guys helped build TNA. TNA was doing great. You know, they're on Spike TV and, you know, they're doing this, they're doing that. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, they're running out of money or whatever, you know, the case may be. And then four of their best guys are gone. And then obviously their best tag team, is gone, and now ROH is uh, benefiting from it. Yeah, totally. They're benefiting from the loss, uh, totally, from the uh, the perspective of gaining two great veteran talents. Now, before we throw it over to the interview and we get into the plugs, you mentioned the four guys there being 
Kaz, Daniels, AJ, and Samoa Joe, and you briefly brought up uh, the tag team match, Joe's last uh, appearance in Ring of Honor. And it was really cool to see his perspective on it and how he was really touched to be in the ring one final time with what he said his best friends, you know, the the best man at his wedding, uh, all three of those guys. Uh, very cool. But, uh, you know, do you think we'll ever see the four of them in the ring ever again based off of uh, where Samoa Joe has ended up and where AJ's career is going? You know what? Now that you you, you say that and you're making me think here for a second, I uh... – I don't. I don't see it happen. And I think whoever was in attendance that day in New York City uh, got to experience uh, the final farewell of those guys. And I don't know with, uh, with where everyone is. I mean, obviously AJ can have another partner, and they can be teaming up against the Addiction at some point in uh, Ring of Honor. But I just don't see it. I think with AJ taking more and more bookings with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and with Samoa Joe now with NXT, and soon to be called up to the WWE main roster. Um, and he obviously he's gonna, be, he's gonna be a huge valuable player for them if they use them correctly like they should. I mm-hmm. just don't see it happening. So I feel like uh, ROH had quite a coup that night getting those guys together and uh, being able to put on such a huge match like that. I mean, a match of that magnitude, great to have uh, for a final match in uh, Ring of Honor in New York City. Yeah, totally. New York City definitely the right stage for a match of that magnitude. And uh, to those in attendance, you're right. That was a hell of a night to see a magical contest. But with that being said, and speaking of magic, primetime, we're going to throw it over to the interview in a second. But we're going to talk a little bit about some TMPTOW business. And, of course, this episode is brought to you by Bombas, the greatest sock, as primetime always says, that you can ever find. And it's with Bombas. Now, please tell the fine folks where they can find everything there is two-man power trip of wrestling. Yes, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Recently, we have just put up a clip of Kamala, which is getting a lot of play all over the place, and his controversial remarks about how he feels Hulk Hogan is, excuse me, <clears throat> Hulk Hogan is not a racist and perhaps as Vince McMahon is, so please check that out. Some good stuff. Not only that, we just uh, have some hidden gems on there that we just released, such as Nikita Koloff talking about the frenzy in JCP uh, with the Russians and how uh, how crazy those fans were, you know, during that time period, especially with the U.S. versus Russia going on in the Cold War. So definitely check that out. Also, we have some stuff with Kane talking about being unmasked. So that's some cool stuff. I mean, just some great uh, Ken Shamrock clips up there. Uh, Jim Ross, of course, has uh, some great stuff on there. So please check us out on YouTube and subscribe to us there. And also, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. We recently received uh, a bit of positive reviews, and we have been loving them. So keep them coming. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. And uh, just one in particular, someone said they love the the guest list and uh, it really has been a great guest list so go through our iTunes and check out all the great guests we've had it's just been unbelievable and such an honor to get guys you know like I mentioned Fortune Ross and Kane and Jesse Ventura and Harley Race and and, uh, Ricky Steamboat and the list goes on and on so please subscribe to us on iTunes you can also like us on Facebook you can follow us on Twitter at WrestlingPal and at Two Man Power Trip and the website is tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. 
It is brand new. It is revamped. We have our new logo from Iron Skull Productions. Our boy, JK, over there did an awesome job, so please check them out. Beautifully done graphic. And check it out on the website and also on that website, like Chad mentioned, the greatest sock in the history of socks. On the upper left-hand corner is the Bombas link. Please click on that link and do all your shopping for your Bombas socks through us. And when you do that, you get one pair for yourself and you get one pair donated to the homeless. So that is always a kicker. And, of course, additionally, you get the greatest sock ever in the history of socks. Comfortable. They're great for athletics. Great for leisure. So please check that out. And now, without any further ado, the man who many have said is a bad influence. Many have called him the future. We just call him one of the greatest tag team wrestlers in the biz and Nash today. That is the ROH current tag team champion with Christopher Daniels in the addiction. Please enjoy a great, great Great interview we did with Frankie Kazarian. Please enjoy. And joining us on the line tonight is a man who is one half of the current Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. But outside of that, not only being one of the best in the business, he's also a five-time former TNA X Division champion, a two-time TNA Tag Team champion, and a two-time PW, PWG excuse me, Tag Team champion, uh, excuse me, world champion. He is Frankie Kazarian. Thank you for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. You're welcome. That list makes it sound like I've, like I've done something, which is, which is astonishing. So thank you for that. <laughs> hey, when you're a veteran of your stature and you've been around, you do a lot, and we are huge fans of yours. And we're thrilled to have you on uh, the podcast. We talked to uh, your tag team partner a few weeks back, and we love a little bit of the addiction. We are big fans. But looking at, at ROH, and you, know, you are the current world tag team champions, how have you felt about your time in Ring of Honor thus far? Um, it's been nothing but positive. You know, we've been in Ring of Honor for over a year now, and it's um, everything from uh, fan response to match quality and just developing storylines. Everything's been top-notch and great and a lot of fun to be a part of and really rein, reinvigorating on a professional level, especially from an in-ring standpoint. Um, it's uh, I have nothing but positives to say about Ring of Honor since I've been there. It's just been awesome. The response was definitely very cool when uh, it was announced that you were coming. It was a very, uh, very awesome video that was put together that brought your announcement out into the public uh, but I guess it was kind of, you know, kind of speculated that you and, uh, and Daniels were going to team up again. But I don't think anybody saw you popping up in Ring of Honor. What did you think of the uh, fan response in terms of you guys getting back together as fast as you did, but this time uh, on the Ring of Honor stage? Uh, I was, I was pleased with it. Um, you know, uh, I know, you know, when we both became free agents, a lot of people thought that, you know that the act was going to go away and that couldn't have been further from the truth because the act was really just getting started. The act being Chris and myself, uh, you know, not never at one time did either of us say, well, it's time to go our separate ways. Cause we know right now the act of the addiction is our priority and the ring of honor fans embrace that from day one and they still have. So that's been a very, very cool thing, at least for me. And if you can, I know it's uh, it's probably hard to uh, sum it up in, in one answer, but talk about 
Christopher Daniels as your partner. You guys have traveled the roads for a long time, but really have put together such a great body of work over the last couple of years as a team. And I guess when you, you know, you've had tag team partners, but when you turn around and you see Daniels in the corner, how does it feel with the chemistry you guys have together? Uh, it's, you know, I, yeah, like you said, it is hard to put just in, you know, one short answer because the guy's my best friend. I've known him for pretty much, you know, the better part of 17 years of my career. So, um, you know, so it's uh, it's it's great having somebody you can rely on, not just in the context of a wrestling match, but also on the road and traveling here and there. And you know, that's just that's just what we are. We're best friends and we're tag team partners, and we just we think of train of thought is very similar when it comes to wrestling matches and the whole business as a whole. Um, so it's just a real, you know, it's a it's a real confidence booster knowing that he's there, and uh, you know, just takes a lot of stress off just knowing how professional he is and knowing that, you know, we're both going to be where we need to be. And, you know, it, it just, it's, it's, uh, almost like we're on cruise control at this point. Uh, you know, it's just, we, we know each other so well. It's, you know, we have an unspoken language. We can, he knows what I'm going to do. I know what he's going to do. So it's just, when it comes to tag team wrestling, all those things just make for an awesome package. Now, obviously, you guys are the current Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, but did you like the way that they went about uh, with the title change with basically you guys being the KRD the whole time and with Chris Saban and, and you know, and the turn and you guys winning the titles in that fashion? Absolutely. I, I think uh, if, if, I can, if I can say that one thing that Ring of Honor is not lacking but not necessarily focus on is, is um, angles like the KRD one. I mean, Ring of Honor is top notch in pretty much every aspect, and especially match quality. You can't, there's nothing to compare it to. But, um, but uh, angles being played out like that isn't something that you necessarily saw a lot uh, on Ring of Honor previously. And um, being a fan of 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 cool, well put together angles, I was I was psyched to be part of it. Um, and so, yeah, to answer your question, I was thrilled to become champions that way. And uh, you know, hope. Uh, Hope we can continue to, especially now in Destination America. Hope we can continue to, you know, do some outside of the box things in terms of uh, Ring of Honor's previous business model when it comes to professional wrestling on TV. Definitely. And do you prefer as the addiction being heels? Because I feel like you guys maybe have more places to go as heels rather than faces. You guys can really stretch the limits. Oh, without question, we're we're in a wheelhouse when we're bad guys. You know, I mean. The act really, you know, got some steam and came to when we were um, when we were doing dastardly things over in TNA, you know, in 2012, um, and that's that's really just it really fits our personalities uh, so much better portraying the bad guys. Um, just it's uh, it's it's right. It's just it's us, you know. I, that's all I can say is it's us, and you know, it was, it was, I was. Uh, we got a, a lot of real positive reactions when we came to TNA. Uh, I'm sorry, when we came to Ring of Honor, because I think people were just happy to see us. But you know, after a while, it's going to wear. It's going to wear off. And and uh, if any team's going to be the working heels and the bad guys of the company, it's I can't think of anybody better than Chris Daniels and myself. Yeah, you, I mean, awesome, and I, I love you know the, the heel work, if you will, that you you guys do. But thinking back a couple weeks ago. And you guys had a huge match in New York City. I, I don't believe it is um, going to be televised uh, for obvious reasons, but 
Samoa Joe, AJ Styles against the Addiction. What was that match like? What was that moment like? Because I know you've known Samoa Joe for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I've you know those guys are my uh, those those three gentlemen were you know they were my uh, they stood up with me at my wedding. So I mean that says it all right there. And those are three three guys that I've traveled with and known for pretty much longer than anyone else in the business and you know my three best friends in the business and we all have come up together and we've all all of our families know each other and so that was a very very special moment uh you know the match we knew the match quality wise that wasn't going to be an uh you know we knew that was going to be there but just the moment uh afterwards just really taking it in that you know i got to share the ring one last time with you know my three best friends in the business and uh it you know, for Ring of Honor, especially, it was it was really it was cool, you know, and I was very, I was very aware. I used to take moments like that for granted early in my career, but you know, I I was very aware that I was experiencing something pretty cool. So that was it was a great, was, the whole day was a great moment, the whole day and night, and especially after the match when Ring of Honor gave Joe the the send off that he you know so richly deserves. It was it was cool. Uh, now, obviously, you guys four in, in a tag match talk about star-studded. I mean, you, you don't get much bigger than that, especially in Ring of Honor. But do you think uh, Samoa Joe will really succeed in the WWE? you think they're going to really elevate him to where his talent level dictates? Um, I mean, you know, <laughs> I guess that all depends on how he's utilized. Um, if they know how to use Joe the way that um, I hope and think that they do, yeah, I think he's going to be very successful. Um, Joe's one of the most unique professional wrestlers to 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 uh, come around in years, and he's one of the best. And that's you know that's not news, and I'm not just saying that because he's a friend, but it's it's a fact. Um, but uh, you know, in the past, in different places, Joe's been he wasn't utilized right, um, and I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they are going to um, use him and let him play to all of his strengths and. Let uh, let him bring out the best in himself and the wrestlers around him, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I I hope he uh, I hope he really is uh, unleashed and is allowed to be the badass Samoan submission machine that we all know and love. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, if, thinking about the addiction and the current state of tag teams, not only in Ring of Honor but in the wrestling business, it seemed like you know with ROH being uh, not counted in this uh, this uh, comment I'm about to make but it seemed like tag team wrestling was almost forgot about kind of mid card kind of not paid attention to but then you look at Ring of Honor and it's just like wow like it's almost like the the late 80s there where the tag team wrestling is huge again and you know you got a bunch of awesome tag teams are you enjoying you know just being able to almost every night you guys work in ROH having another great tag team to uh, wrestle yeah, you know, I mean, great teams and unique teams, you know. You have a team like us, then you have a team like the Briscoes, who are incredible, and you have a team like the Young Bucks, who, what what can you say about the Bucks hasn't been said. Um, a team like Red Dragon, that's awesome. Uh, a team like War Machine, you know, you just, it's all brings something different and unique to the table. And, and tag team wrestling is very, very exciting, and there's nothing else in the world like it. Uh, Ring of Honor has been very good about focusing on that because of the talent they have there. Rapunky Vice, another tag team that's great and been on the scene in Ring of Honor as of late. So it's um it's I'm I'm happy to be in the in the thick of it. I'm very very happy. I love tag team wrestling. I uh, I'm, I've always been an advocate for tag team wrestling, and I am proud to wear the Ring of Honor tag team 
titles and and uh, just look to um, having more to have more great tag team matches within Ring of Honor and and wherever else we can. It's funny because it, you can literally name these tag teams. You can almost name about ten tag teams just in Ring of Honor that are just great teams. And um, yep. even mentioning the Kingdom as well. I mean, you can throw absolutely them the Kingdom. Yeah, didn't yep. mean to leave them out. Yeah, it's my my brain doesn't. My brain doesn't uh, doesn't work quite right after all these years, but yeah, if I left anyone else out, I apologize. But those are just off the top of my head. Yeah, definitely the kingdom. We've we've uh, you know had a, a few run-ins with them, and hey, you can't you know I can't say enough about the tag team division in Ring of Honor right now. Can you talk about a little bit about your chemistry? It seems like you guys in Red Dragon have had some great tag matches. Can you talk about some of your chemistry with Fish and O'Reilly? Uh, well, I mean, those guys are those guys are unique in in terms of they both both bring a kind of hybrid offense of you know incorporating a lot of the MMA style stuff, which is uh which is you know great fodder to what Christopher Daniels and I bring to the, bring to the ring. You know, it's a complete different mix of styles, but uh, when we get in there, it just it works. Um, you know, they're uh, tremendously talented as individuals and they're great as a tag team, and uh, and Chris Daniels and I represent just the type of guys that fans want to see Red Dragon beat the beat the shit out of. We're you know, we're the we're the we're the assholes that they want to see their heroes beat up. So it works perfectly from a personality standpoint and from an in ring standpoint, uh, there's nothing those guys can't do and they're just getting better and and I feel that we are too. So it's yeah, the chemistry was, was instantaneous when we debuted in Ring of Honor um last year in Nashville first wrestled Red Dragon, and it's only gotten better since then, if you ask me. Yeah, totally. And you know what? If we could actually uh, kind of want to dial it back uh, a little bit, and let's get into a little TNA, if we can. I know uh, that was uh, yeah, your not? TNA departure was definitely a, uh, a little little question behind it, only because it was so uncertain as to how they were letting guys go, such as yourself and Daniels at the same time. But before your departure, there was a very talked-about angle that, of course, uh, we had to bring it up, and it was the Claire Lynch saga. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on the whole thing and looking back? Because when we talked to Chris, he did look back on it somewhat uh, from a different point of view, saying that there was just so much that wasn't done that should have been. But what's your take on the whole entire thing? Same thing. I mean, you know, I was in those same meetings, in those same rooms with Chris and AJ, and, uh, you know, a lot of ideas were talked about that, Unfortunately, didn't happen with that angle. Um, a lot of you know, we, we stayed up many nights and and planned out six, eight, ten weeks of television, and you know, um, and for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. You know, there was you know, there was higher ups that for whatever reason didn't want those ideas to uh, be produced on their wrestling television program. Um, but I mean, the whole thing was a very collaborative effort between. Uh, Chris and myself and AJ and Eric Bischoff and Jason Hervey and David Donna and, and uh, yeah I mean you know for for what could have been a different and unique angle turned out to be what it was and you know all we could do at the end of the day was take what we were given and make the absolute best of it and uh, I think we did that um, we tried to make it as entertaining as possible I mean I say what you will about the angle but I still have fans you know to this day come up to us and say Man, the stuff you did with the baby AJ was hilarious, and the promo you cut you know, during this was hilarious. So, you know, at least, you know, at least if you're going to think, yeah, that was a stinker of an angle, at least a lot of people remember some very, very 
funny and positive things and some good matches that came out of it as well. But, uh, it's, you know, I, at the end of the day, I'm just a wrestler. We're, we're just wrestlers. They cook the food, we serve it. So, you know, that's part of that's part of the entertainment business, I suppose. And uh, it's it's part of the, you have a job to do. That's your job. And uh, we were lucky enough to have, you know, some freedom in the creative process. But but that is our job, and their decision is their decision. And we are to go out and perform the best of our ability. So we did it. And and that was that. <laughs> you know, I mean, you say a stinker of an angle, and I, you know, there's elements of it that definitely you can question. But what you said, again, is uh, your part that you played, I think is what kept everybody coming back, because you and Daniels and AJ had such a great chemistry together. It was like whatever ridiculous thing they were throwing in there, or you guys were helping put it, it, it just, it made, you guys made it work. And I thought that's really a testament to your skills uh, as a performer, not only in the ring, but outside of the ring, holding the stick and in the, you know, in front of the camera. But also, that whole angle with AJ really was the most interesting part of TNA for the better part of over a year. And you guys really had a great angle built around which side Kaz was going to end up going with. Is he going to stay with his buddy AJ, or is he going to go to the dark side with Daniels? Did you guys have any input into that whole angle? Because uh, at the end of the day, i got to say, it led to us having a great tag team in Bad Influence slash The Addiction, so I guess we're all winners, but was there any uh, other plans, possibly, of you siding with AJ? Oh, yeah. Well, the plan the plans were never for me and Daniels to be together. The plans were, um, you know, Chris and I knew we wanted to be a team, and we pitched that to the office because of the lack of tag teams at the time. And, uh, no, though, the idea was for um, – for, uh, I believe it started with me having a secret, and the secret was supposed to be that I, uh, I don't know, that I had, uh, I had like relationships, or I had relations with AJ's sister, and he was upset about that, and you know, and when that was when we approached us with that, AJ said, "Why would I be upset if this guy had relations with my sister? He's my best friend." And uh, yeah, the idea was really it was there was there was no this wasn't a planned story this was this was supposed to be uh i did this and this happened and no i uh it was i i came up with the idea that well maybe maybe there's a secret but maybe i'm protecting aj and i know the secret and that's what would turn you know me and that's what would form daniels and i and that's what would you know ultimately end up being a complete lie and us being jealous and you know, trying to ruin AJ from a different angle, and it was there were so many layers to it that just didn't get seen that could have been so good. But yeah, to answer your question, no, this was never this was never a uh, this was never a planned angle. It's something that developed out of ideas, and and you know that was part of the the, the uh, collaborative process. And you know, for that, I got to thank definitely Eric Bischoff and Jason Hervey, and you know, to a lesser extent, Dave Lagana. He was also involved in that. And you know, we built up. Uh, a lot of trust with those guys and in terms of our in-ring promos and stuff because after a while we were getting very positive feedback and everyone was loving the stuff we did so when we would discuss angles they would say okay hit this this and this but just go out and do what you've been doing because it's great so you know we built that trust and that was uh that was very freeing for me especially being a guy that previously in my TNA career didn't necessarily have that trust with the office or that collaborative relationship with the office um so it was it was cool because what came out of it was a lot of like i said really entertaining promos and really entertaining segments 
You know, and as a veteran, we, you know, we've talked to uh, different stars at different runs in, you know, in their TNA career. And as a veteran, with you seeing the management change that have gone on, and sometimes there was a lot of uncertainty as to either whether or not the company was going to continue, where there was going to be television, if there was going to be, you know, any house shows or any kind of travel. But when Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff came into the company, what was the vibe like? And did you really see there was going to be a huge difference? Now, you've already credited Bischoff twice with being a big help in terms of coming together with great angles. But did you see the skepticism from other members of the locker room with that regime coming in? And how was your, uh, you know, collaboration, I guess, with the whole entire regime? Yeah, I could see the skepticism. And again, my relationship with Eric is going to be different from, you know, wrestler A, B, C, and D's relationship. Everybody has, you know, different guys that either have helped them or that they have, you know, have had good, um, a good rapport with in terms of creative, energy and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, when those guys first came in, I wasn't really doing much, and I wasn't really um, – it was just to me, it was, well, kind of a let's wait and see what happens. Uh, given their track record and seeing, you know, you know the, this their stature in the pro wrestling business, I was optimistic that, hey, maybe this is going to put some more eyes on the, on the product. But I wasn't going to, you know, be quick to judge and say this is going to suck or this is going to be great. It was, you know, I've seen I've – seen, uh, management changes at that point a lot. So it was just another management change. This one came with uh, some very um, high dollar and high name baggage being Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff. And uh, ultimately I think it was a positive in a lot of ways and um, definitely a positive for me. Uh, and I think just a positive in terms of getting more eyes on the product but um, I can see why people would be skeptical, and you know, wrestling fans, believe it or not, are skeptical quite often. Uh, <laughs> you might not know that you not, might not know that about the common wrestling fan, but they sometimes question things. I don't know if you guys are aware of that, but sometimes wrestling fans <laughs> will get together and they'll question things, you know, like just things that make absolutely no difference one way or another, but they're going to question them. Yeah, wrestling fans do that sometimes, and I don't think that's going to go away at any point. So. Yeah, wrestling fans, the uh, the ultimate cynicist and maybe not always the greatest optimist. Yeah, I mean it's I don't I don't I don't quite understand it. Sometimes it infuriates me and sometimes it's like it 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 uh it warms my heart, you know, like the the passion that they have is uh I've seen up close has been awesome, but at the same time it's been very frustrating when, you know, they can pick things apart and they can talk about things that they literally have just no no right or business to say the things they say about and and to wrestling such a unique thing it's the only entertainment uh genre that is that is just ripped apart so much i mean i guess you know there's there's websites and and fan forums dedicated to the walking dead and to sons of anarchy and to breaking bad and to shows like this to you know for fans to to pick apart but i don't know that you can compare the numbers of, of of just fans and sites like that that are, you know, dedicated to professional wrestling. It's 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 like an obsession. Um, you know, it's 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 there's nothing like it. There's there's absolutely nothing like it. Uh I've you know, I I've I've seen fans and critics say things about about matches and angles that I would never even think of. It's just, it's it's mind boggling at times, but you know I think it all comes down to the fact that they're very, very passionate. Um, 
but you know passion's a very strong emotion so sometimes it triggers very very good things and sometimes it triggers very very bad things so we get uh we get to see the best and the worst of it that is definitely definitely true and if i could um almost skip around a little bit here with uh, the tna yep. run at one point you were in uh fortune Obviously, Ric Flair is at the helm. AJ's a part of it at one point. Storm's a part of it at one point. Rude. Uh, Desmond Wolf's actually a part of it at one point. But did you mm-hmm. enjoy working with Ric Flair? Did you learn a lot from the Nature Boy? Yeah, that was good, especially for me at the time. Um, you know, I was uh, I was just basically back in the X Division, and I was kind of finding my way again as a baby face, but just kind of in the middle of the card and not necessarily lighting the world on fire or burning any barns. So that presented um, me an opportunity to find something within myself and develop a character. And being with Ric Flair, if you don't feed off of him and learn something from him, then you're probably doing something wrong. You should probably think about another career path. So it was real easy for me to find something within myself, being around him and doing promos with him and being around him outside of the ring and talking to him at the bar and just learning things from him. It was it was a, a great step forward in me learning how to develop a character and step out of the box and and create something and be something different. Like like I just said, if you don't learn from somebody like Ric Flair, uh, you're doing something wrong. There's there's only one Ric Flair, and uh, in the grand scheme of things, not a whole lot of people have been able to work with him as closely as the four and five and six of us did. So I was very, very blessed to do that, and... Uh, it helped me tremendously. And then I guess a little bit after that, you guys joined up with Immortal, and then you were with Hulk Hogan. And I know you yeah. mentioned him a little bit before, and I know you mentioned, obviously, Eric Bischoff. But was Hogan uh, like a help with you as well with your character? Yeah, well, to, to uh, put it, what happened was we were with Fortune. Fortune was with Ric Flair, and then Fortune was with Immortal, which was Hogan's group, which was about 70% of the roster. And then Fortune <laughs> was not, And then Fortune was not with Immortal, and Fortune was also not with Ric Flair, and Fortune were good guys, and yeah, that all happened. Um, so, but, uh, yeah, my uh, Hulk was very, uh, very always very, very helpful with me. Uh, I didn't really speak to him a whole lot when he first got there, but when this, um, towards the end of just my, right before I joined Fortune, he was, uh, I remember I had a match with Abyss, and he pulled us aside and was very, very complimentary of it, and, just, just it, that kind of you know put me at ease because that was the first real good conversation I'd had with that. And then after a while, especially when we started doing the Claire Lynch thing and CD, and I really got running as a tag team. We did we did in ring promos with him and Sting, and with him and Bubba, and backstage skits with him and Sting, and just you know and it was just the four of us winging it, and that was that was cool to do something like wow I'm in here with these guys and we're just basically going on the fly and they trust us to do that. And, and uh, and he he at one point told us you know he's like you know I love doing stuff with you guys but damn it sometimes I just God I I have to bite my tongue because I want to laugh because you guys are ridiculous and you know and just you know being at that being at a comfortable level like that with someone like that was really cool and yeah I had a lot of really uh, fun fun encounters with him in front of the camera and behind it. Yeah, I guess since we're talking about stables, I'll mention one that a lot of people often forget, and that was when you guys were in Saratona, and it was you and Johnny Devine, and you guys were with Raven. Did you learn a lot? And Matt Bentley. uh, And Matt Bentley. Don't forget Matt Bentley. Oh, yes, yes. Can't forget about Bentley. Yes, yep. 
you learn a lot from uh, the creative and crazy mind that is Raven? Yes, I did, and, and I've said this in previous interviews, but I wish I would have taken more advantage of sitting under the learning tree. Uh, I was, you know, I was, uh, you know, younger and more impatient and wanting things to work out differently, and they didn't. But, you know, being put with Raven ended up ultimately being a really another good one of those learning opportunities. Talk about stepping outside yourself and step, stepping outside the, the box. I wouldn't think in a million years to that I would ever be a goth-type dark character, but it's something that I kind of had to create, and I, you know, eventually embraced it, which was good because, you know, you have to go out of your comfort zone to succeed, in my opinion, at least. And uh, and Raven, he's, he's, he's got a tremendous, tremendous mind for the wrestling business, just for the entertainment business. Uh, and, you know, anybody that's a wrestling fan knows that. So, yeah, being able to listen to his advice and to learn from him was was a great opportunity. Like I said, just one. I wish I would have. Uh, I wish I would have been more of a sponge and and absorbed some more knowledge instead of being very selfish and young and perhaps a little arrogant at the time. But but uh, yeah, it was it was another great opportunity. Like you know, learning from somebody like Ric Flair and then learning from somebody like Raven. Obviously, two completely different schools of thought, but they're both going to put you on the same path, which is success. No doubt about that. And in, if I can run all the way back to the beginning of TNA, but is, is the reason yeah. you got into TNA because Jeff and Scott Demore, I guess they saw you uh, for the WWE promotion and Jeff really liked yeah. what happened? Yeah. Well, I mean, I had a, you know, at the time I was like, a, I guess, which would today would be a top indie guy. Uh, and uh, I, you know, I, I was on a tour of, of Europe for WWA and, uh, I'd already met Scott Demore and uh, Glenn Gilberti was also kind of helping out behind the scenes at TNA at the time. He was on the tour and he was a pal of mine. Uh, I met Jeff and Jeremy Barash on that tour and I think that's the first time they saw me work. And uh, I think they had heard my name in the past. And after that tour, a couple of weeks later, is when I first got the phone call about getting a asking if I wanted to come and do a tryout for TNA, which was a six man match, which. I was in the next week, come back in the next week, and the next week, and the next week, and I figured, okay, I guess I got the job. No one ever said one way or another. But and after that, I was there, you know, for uh, about twelve years. So, uh, yeah, that's initially, uh, I believe, how I caught their eyes on that that European tour. To make a long story long, I guess. <laughs> I guess I could have just said yes for that answer. Sorry, I just wasted three minutes of your time. I could have just said yes, but I had to go <laughs> no, and put answer. myself over and stuff. So, yeah, I'm sorry. That was a great answer. Um, but yeah. I was going to say, uh, as far as Jeff, did you learn a lot from Jeff Jarrett or was he kind of just, you know, he's in charge and he's not, um, you know, dealing with talent as much? I mean, yeah, he was, he was the boss. I always viewed him as the boss, especially early on. Uh, and I, I was, you know, I was an X division guy and, I, I would get bits of 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 uh, him dropping knowledge, but I wasn't necessarily his project or his top priority. His top priority, obviously, was you know the the, the, the entire product and his matches because he was still wrestling for a good time. He was there when I was there, um, so I didn't necessarily sit under the Jeff Jarrett learning tree. But uh, anytime he talked, I listened because Jeff's got a, a great vision for the business and a great mind for the business. So. I always I always try to seek out those who I can benefit from. Uh but yeah, it was it was you know, he kinda did his thing and I did my thing. 
and uh, everything else was kind of micromanaged with you know different guys in between. And one of the things I always wanted to mention to you specifically about your TNA run was the interesting suicide character. Did you have like did they propose that to you? Did you were you interested in playing that character or did you enjoy that character at all? That was never me. That was Samoa Joe. Um, <laughs> no, I uh, again I was in a different place. I, I, I didn't I didn't seek that character out. They they brought it to me. They uh, they uh, Vince Russo called me and said that. There's, uh, he, he had, for some reason, thought that I was involved in making the video game, doing the doing the mocap and stuff like that, which I wasn't. I had no idea uh, about the video game. But uh, they presented this character, and I didn't even know it existed, and I was, was not happy. I, was, I had talked to Vince and Jeff and Dixie and asked why and said I wasn't necessarily the guy for it. I understand what they want for it, and I pitched them names of guys that I thought would be great for it, guys that weren't me, just guys that could wrestle like a video game and could do amazing stuff, but they were adamant that they wanted somebody that they could trust. Um, so it was one of those things where I just, you know, I had to I had to relearn a new, a new style. I had to completely reinvent myself again and do something completely different. And uh, I can't say that I enjoyed everything I did, but, Again, it's one of those things that you look back and you go, ah, that was another opportunity to learn something completely different. So I chalk it up to that, another lesson in life. And we we touched about it a little bit, but you obviously basically had a 12-year run or, or so in TNA. It was a long run with them and many different yep. angles, many different stables. But were you shocked when the departure came, when you and Christopher Daniels got released from TNA? No, I wasn't shocked. I uh, Earlier that year... Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not blind and I'm not stupid, and I could kind of see the writing on the wall and see the direction the company was going in. Uh, so I had uh, kind of started putting eggs in different baskets. And Chris Daniels uh, left the company about a month before I did, and I was—I could say with, you know, I was 100% certain that I wasn't going to be in TNA when my contract came up, whether it was their decision or whether it was mine. So I wasn't shocked. I wasn't necessarily shocked at all. I was. I had time to prepare, mentally and physically, and everything. I, yeah, I saw it coming. Now, if we can just for one sec, I just want to go back to the WWE uh, time that you had. I know it was a very short run, and there's been a lot of stories, and you've confirmed it in some that uh, may have had to do with the haircut rumor, but that's not completely it. You were saying, you know, kind of what you just said about the other characters that. You know, maybe it was just a different point of your career. Things could have gone differently. But what do you think about when you were in OVW at that point to what they have now for a developmental uh, territory with NXT and the Performance Center? The, the difference of about 10 years is, uh, is pretty glaring. But uh, did you ever picture them going that far with how they uh, fit up, set up their developmental system? No, I really didn't because it's just never the way things were done in wrestling. But, I mean, they've put together an amazing facility from what I understand, and that is the professional wrestler factory. It's, you know, that's whether you're a top indie guy or a top Japan guy or a top uh, lucha guy, you're going to go through the factory and you're going to get turned out to be a product of what WWE is producing. I was never actually in OVW. I went there for one week. They sent me there for one week to, to train and have a match for – I don't know why, but they did, so I did, and it was a fun experience. But um, yeah, it's 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 definitely night and day. It's it's 
they got state of the art things there and it's that place is there to produce professional wrestlers from from the in ring side of it to the promo side of it to the look side of it just they have every tool in the book that guys in from my generation and all these all the guys previous never had so i hope the guys there especially the i'm not saying this about the top indie guys that came there and they're doing really well now uh, i hope the guys that are just starting out there really really appreciate the tools they have there and the opportunity because those opportunities just did not exist you know five years ago let alone 10, 15 years ago, those opportunities didn't exist and they do now. And they have, you know, they have a giant head start on, um, like I said, guys from my generation. Yeah. And when you were up there, uh, you know, I know it was only very brief in OVW, but then but you know, kind of had a little run there with the velocity uh, undefeated streak and you were winning matches and working with some pretty decent names uh, on a nightly basis. Uh, but what was it like with the production of a WWE run event and uh, being involved in that machine for the brief period of time that you were and you kind of had a, uh, you know, the future is now moniker going, but, uh, you know, never really yep. given that big spotlight that I think everybody, once you signed, was ready for you to have because we all saw you in TNA. We all thought you were going to get a pretty good, uh, pretty good push, but it was just unceremoniously cut. Well, I mean, I was brought in with uh, under the um... – perception that the uh, cruiserweight division was going to be revamped that's basically why i was signed because i know i right before they signed me and a few other guys i read that they were only signing bigger guys but i was told that the cruiserweight division was going to be revitalized and that's why i was being brought in um don't think that necessarily happened and i, I kind of saw that that wasn't going to happen early on and, and you know i've always been a free thinker and a independent spirit and a guy that kind of is a you know a cog in the machine just because i say and do things that i want to say and do and i and i ask questions and i raise my hand and i i don't fall in line and that can be a fault of mine i freely admit that but i wouldn't change things for the world because i am a true independent spirit and a guy that's going to ask questions and uh, a guy that's going to point things out and uh, I don't think that was the type of person that necessarily fit in with that system then or now. Uh, maybe not. I, it could be different now. But uh, it just it just wasn't for me, and that is all on me, and that is not on WWE. Uh, it was all me being uh, perhaps a little more immature professionally and just as a man. And, uh, you know, lifestyle and everything was different back then. But... That's why it didn't work out for me, and it works out. If it works out for ten other guys, I'm happy for those ten other guys. But at that time, in my career, in my life, in in the WWE machine, it wasn't right. And that's all I can say is it just was not right. Uh, I'm sure you guys or your listeners have all been presented with a whether it's a job or a relationship, something, and just for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And that's just one of those things. And it's something that people have read way too much into. Uh, at that time, it just didn't work, and I am 100% responsible for that. Yeah, it's funny, like, thinking back at that time, I was thinking, I was like, oh, I'm glad he's gone, because, you know, a lot of the good indie guys, it almost feels like, oh, they're going to undercut him, or like, oh, they have an undefeated streak now, but then they'll undercut him, and he'll end up jobbing. So I was almost happy to see you uh, move on, you know, back to TNA, where you almost are more free to have uh, any kind of match you want, or or, you know, something of that nature where you're almost more free to do, um, you know, more things within the business. Yeah, and there was there was a certain, you know, 
uh, element of TNA that was comfortable for me when I when I left there. I kind of knew I knew how the system worked and had no idea how things were running at WWE at the time. Aside from you know doing a lot of enhancement matches and dark matches early on before my TNA days, but uh, yeah, there was you know, and I was you know I was told when I left that if I ever wanted to come back that the door was open, and uh, that wasn't necessarily true because it took me a while to get back to TNA, but. That was me being stupid and putting my trust in, you know, people that I really shouldn't have. But ultimately, it did lead me back to TNA, which, you know, got me, you know, step by step where I am today. So it was the right decision for me then, and it was the right decision for me now. Now, we always hear those rumors. Is that haircut thing true? Like, they wanted to, if you'd have a haircut, you told them no. Is, is that any truth to that or just BS? Yeah, that's, but it's, and I've said this when I did my, my one and only shoot interview. Um, yeah, it was uh, the, the ironic thing was I used to always wear my hair like in a ponytail, and Johnny Ace was adamant that I wear it down, and I was like, okay, why? I don't know, but it's like, oh, it's good, it's good for selling or whatever. Okay, all right, cool, I'll wear it down. The one time I wear it down, it's hey, your hair's in your face, you need to cut it. Oh, okay, well, that's stupid because your guy, you haven't said anything until your guy told me to wear it down, so yeah, whatever, and you know. <laughs> So, yeah, it was said, but me being, you know, a rebel and a guy that's going to ask questions and instead of just getting a haircut and going, why? You know, that's not what they wanted, and that's not what I wanted. So that happened. Hmm. So the bottom line is, uh, if, as, uh, ask questions or, or don't ask questions if you just want to fall in line. And, you know, but I've always, I've, always been a guy that, I've always been a guy that, you know, in wrestling and in real life is a guy that, Will you know think outside of the box and ask questions and and ask why and you know even at the uh, even at the expense of a job obviously. Yeah, it's very very true. Now if I could um, if I could just rewind all the way back to you know your training and I just wanted to mention how you got started with Killer Kowalski because it's very you know very interesting guy because he ended up training a lot of you know future big stars in the business, but what was it like under Killer Kowalski? Uh, it's hard to put into words because it was um, so very, he and his training was so very special to me, and him as a, a mentor and as a friend were, were, was such a blessing. You know, I, I'd moved out there to uh, Malden, Massachusetts from a small town in Southern California, and my first time leaving home and traveling all that way and saving up all that money, and you know, for him to embrace me the way he did and befriend me and uh, you know, we would we would go to church together, and we would go to eat together, and I would ride to class with him four days a week. And so, forming a real bond with him outside of the ring was uh, was truly something that's very special to me to this day. And learning from him is, was so unique, and I'm so blessed to have had that opportunity. Uh, uh, I, I wouldn't change it for the world. I've said a million times, and I'll say it a million more that if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be where I am. Right now, as a pro wrestler and as a man, he was that important to me. And uh, I think what the business lacks is those type of guys still around, um, passing their knowledge on to guys like me. You got it in terms of there are very good wrestling schools outside of what WWE is doing. You got the Dudleys in Florida, which are great. You got Booker's School and you got Lance Storms, all those guys, top notch. And I couldn't recommend any of their schools anymore. But you know, the, those guys are a dying breed, it seems. You know, the, the Killer Kowalski-type guys, just the guys that had, the business, you, you guys have, have seen it change in the last five years. 
17 years ago, it was, it was even a lot more different. And it was still, there was still that little leftover decay of kayfabe and it was really kind of still difficult to get in. And it, it was, uh, it, it was cool. It was a blessing. It was an absolute blessing to have been trained by Killer Kowalski. And I thank him every day for all the opportunities that I've been given. And then another place, um, I guess it wasn't really a training spot for you, but you, you know you, you were still young in the business then. You were in uh, UPW, and you had uh, a lot mm-hmm. of experience in uh, California, and you ran yep. into a very, very polarizing figure in the wrestling business, but that is John Cena. What was he mm-hmm. like back then, and have you seen any difference with how he is now? Uh, well, UPW was a training uh, center as well as, as a promotion, and I can tell oh. you that I, I did go down and train because I – you know, still wanted to learn, uh, still do. And I can tell you this, every time I went down to train, and I lived about two hours from the where the building was, every time I went down to train, there were two guys that were there every time, constantly, and that was Samoa Joe and John Cena. So those two and me were at every class we could go to. So seeing where John is now doesn't surprise me at all. I've always, from day one, said that his best asset is his attitude. He was a... Uh, Always, you know, uh, if he couldn't out wrestle you, he would outwork you. His work ethic was second to none. He was, he was witty. He was brilliant. He picked things up. He was, and he was a cool guy. He was a, he was a good bud. He was a friend. We instantly hit it off. We had the same type of sense of humor. And him and I and Samoa Joe, you know, we became pals and we'd, you know, go out and hang out after practice and stuff. And he's, yeah, I his his success doesn't surprise me. I mean, maybe the magnitude of the fact that he's became the the global star that he has is is pretty astonishing. But it did that really doesn't surprise me because that's just you know he he had something in him and he had this gift and he's sharing it with the world now and and that, it's been cool to watch. Yeah, and he's definitely. I mean, obviously he's a big star, but he's very polarizing, uh, one way or the other, yep. whether you love him or hate him. But uh, yeah, he does do a yep. lot of great charity work, and you always see him out there doing interviews and everything else. I mean, he's definitely a hardworking guy. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I, I'll uh, going back to wrestling fans. I guess you know you you can like who you like and hate who you hate. I, I just I will never understand the just the hatred for this guy. I just like I he he's never. Uh, and I don't necessarily watch wrestling at all. Uh, occasionally here and there I'll watch. And I'm talking any wrestling. But I've never seen the guy shit the bed in the ring. I've never, ever, ever seen him do anything but elevate the guy he's in the ring with. I've, I, I just, I don't, he's not boring. He's, I don't understand the hate. I, maybe I'm too close to it. Uh, but I just, I'll never understand this, just this, I mean, I get not liking the guy, but there's just people that just, despise him which is like hmm. I guess he's doing something right then because hate's an emotion too and it's, you hate some dude that much just because he's in the wrestling ring it's, he's doing something he's, tr- he's he's touching he's touching some nerve inside of you but uh, I'm a John Cena fan and every time I've seen him in the ring I've been entertained and I think he's uh, very good for the professional wrestling business now, speaking of somebody who uh, we at the show know quite well, who I think is great for the wrestling business, now he's down there at NXT. You feuded with him in uh, PWG and uh, I believe in, in some other promotions, too, in uh, California back in the day, but that's the uh, Scrap Daddy himself, Adam. Mm-hmm. What's your, did you still have a relationship with him, or, or what was your relationship? I guess you guys yeah. uh, 
old pal? Uh, always, always, always really good. Um, uh, I met him when he first obviously came to California and worked with him quite a bit. And then PWG came around. We did, you know, a, a year, a year together and had a blast with him. And another guy that I always got along with, uh, really, really funny, uh, really guy that really respects the business, especially the history aspect of it. And, and protects the business, and guy's got a really good mind for it. That's why he is where he is now, and I'm very happy for Adam. Uh, yeah, just uh, another one of those guys that come along that you just you hit it off with instantaneously, and from an in-ring perspective, and from just a guy that loves and respects the business as much as you do. He's a he's a good dude. He's a he's a, and I think he's doing exactly what he wants to be doing now, which is cool and. Anytime somebody I consider a friend uh, gains a certain amount of success, I can do nothing but smile and be happy for him. Now, as we uh, start to wind it down a little bit here, there was three things that popped up, you know, just knowing you outside of, the, of your uh, wrestling career that I was like, yep. okay, check, that's great, check, that's great, check, that's great. You're a yep. huge, basically a huge metalhead. You love Metallica. You love Star Absolutely. Wars. And you're very into comic books. Yep, uh, definitely. Uh, comic books would be the uh, one that I'm not into as much. Uh, I I am, just to a lot lesser extent than I used to be. Uh, that is Chris Daniels. That's where Chris Daniels picks up the slack because he's a walking encyclopedia about everything and anything that is uh, comic books, whether it be Marvel, DC, or independent. But yes, uh, in terms of, yeah, I'm a huge, huge metalhead. Uh, absolutely huge and huge Star Wars fan. And do you have is is this true you have your own band? Yeah, I have my own band. We're called Vex Temper. We uh we actually wrote and recorded the music that Chris Chris Daniels and I come out to um in Ring of Honor. We uh when we became bad guys or turned heel in the cool wrestling fan lingo, uh we uh, needed new music and I and I asked if uh if I had if I could um could write and record some stuff and they said, Yep, but you only have X amount of time so I actually I came up with the with the melody and came up with the riff and presented it to my band. I play bass guitar and that's all I do and backup vocals. Presented it to my band, they toyed with it, we went in, we knocked it out and we had it, which was cool. That's uh that's something else cool that uh you know, I'm able to because of my following in pro wrestling and because of my you know, notoriety and my my D list celebrity, I get to get some more eyes on my band, which, you know, the average Joe, uh, and I'm not saying that negatively, but they don't have that opportunity. So, so yeah, and that's that's uh, something I'm as passionate about, um, uh, aside from wrestling, is music. So, yeah, we uh, we're and we're just we're doing the we're in the process of recording demos, and we're in the process of doing battle of the bands and getting live gigs, and it's it's fun. It's it's there's nothing like uh, creating. Uh, music with you know four of your buddies, which is I get the opportunity to do. Yeah, that is awesome. And one of the things that actually I was going to mention earlier, and I actually forgot, but um, your wife Tracy Brooks recently retired from the business. Is she uh, hanging them up for good? Yeah, well, I mean, she never she never necessarily said she was retiring, she, but she hasn't appeared since early 2012, and she just kind of rode off in the sunset because she didn't want to be one of these people that said I'm retiring and going to have this moment but Tommy approached us and her about giving her their proper bye-bye moments and 
we were humbled and obviously accepted it. And so we just did that up in Canada for House of Hardcore, which was awesome. Real emotional night and a real fun night and good to see a lot of people. And yeah, she's, she has nothing to prove. She's, she's, uh, she had, you know, a hundred times the career that she expected to have. And she had a lot of fun, but she did everything she wanted to do. And she's now a full-time mother and a very, very good one. And yeah, no desire to, to, to put on costumes and pretend to beat people up anymore. <laughs> now, one question I love to ask, especially a veteran like yourself, somebody who's had a million good matches. I mean, I, you could just name name off names. I mean, you wrestled Kurt Angle, Christian, mm-hmm. uh, Samoa Joe. I mean, you have a million good tag matches, uh, even against AJ with Christopher Daniels, et cetera. But do you have a favorite match or maybe favorite matches of all time that you've had? Uh, favorite matches, um, definitely. Uh, I had a ladder match with Christian uh, in TNA 2007, November 2007, uh, that really, really did wonders for me. Uh, Christian is, he's A, a friend, and B, um, perhaps the most underrated performer of his generation. I was just amazing. His mind for the business was up there with the top of the top that I've ever been in the ring with. Um, that match really, really was special to me. Uh, the first time I wrestled Kurt Angle, which was the next night after that, was very special for me. Uh, Chris Daniels and I had a tag team match at Slammiversary 2012 against Kurt Angle and AJ Styles that still probably my favorite tag match we've had or one of them. Um, anytime I'm in there with Kurt, it's, you know, we all we had instant chemistry and uh, just another guy that's just unbelievable. And obviously, you know, the AJs and the Samoa Joes, those guys you can't it's hard that you, if you have a bad match with AJ, it's like not being able to learn from Ric Flair. You just oh, should find something else to do. Um, but yeah, and, but I've had so many good matches. You know, guys like like Chris Saban, I've had, I had such amazing chemistry with, and Petey Williams, and and Sanjay Dutt, and just guys like that. Like even talking going back to the TNA days, just so many really good matches, whether it be on live events or just television matches that people have forgotten about. Just so many fun ones like that, but. The ones that stick out are the ones, like I said, with Christian and with Kurt and AJ, and and uh, and you know the recent one with Joe and AJ was special for a different reason too. Now, has there been anyone in your career where you haven't been able to wrestle, like a quote-unquote dream match that you would always love to have? Do you have one of those? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's guys that I would like to be in the ring with just because they inspired me uh, to do what I do. Um, Guys like Chris Jericho is one. He's definitely, you know, like a Shawn Michaels. Is, that's not going to happen. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I've had the opportunity to wrestle a lot of uh, guys I never thought I'd be in the ring with. So um, I don't really have any regrets when it comes to that. But, yeah, there's there's certain guys I would, you know, like to be in the ring with that I haven't. Like you said, just from from a standpoint of them inspiring me and, and uh, still being active and being very good and, uh, you know, a guy like uh, Fergal uh, Prince Devitt uh, is a, a guy who's a buddy of mine, but I've never had the chance to, to wrestle him. Um, and he's awesome. I love being there with him. And, and there's other guys, you know, just that anyone that's entertaining and answers the bell, I'd like to get in there with. Now, with ROH and New Japan having basically a good working relationship, is there any chance of you heading over to Japan for some matches for New Japan? We're looking into that. We're uh, hoping that's going to happen real soon, uh, especially uh, representing ROH as the tag team champions. So we're 
we're, uh, we're definitely looking into that. It's something we're interested in and something that hopefully will happen very soon. And then, actually, what the, the final question is, it's always the hardest one. It's almost like a high school aptitude test question, and it is, where do you oh, see Jesus. yourself in five Yeah, hey, hey, this is the tough one. We save it for the last yeah. one. Uh, where <laughs> do you see yourself in five years within the wrestling business? Do you think you'll still be performing? Do you think maybe you'll uh, scale it back and uh, maybe take in some sort of a, uh, a back-end role? That's always a... Uh... It's always a difficult question to answer because you know life presents us with with these things that change the course of our existence. You know, um, I would love to say in five years I'll still be wrestling, but I just don't know, and I can't say that. I think right now, physically, I think I could. Uh, I'm feeling good. I feel that I'm having uh, matches at a top level. I uh, and so if my body holds up and if the business continues to grow the way it is and opportunities continue to present themselves. I could see myself wrestling in five years. Uh, I, I don't think, um, I don't know if you said this or not, but I don't think I would be a guy that would just work behind the scenes in pro wrestling. Um, in fact, I know I wouldn't. I just, that's just not me. Uh, I love helping out, and when people ask questions, I love giving advice, uh, but that's just not something that I would want to pursue. I have other interests uh, completely outside of professional wrestling that I'd like to pursue, but um, if, like I said, if I'm still doing what I'm doing and having fun, most importantly, and uh, making a living, I could see myself still wrestling in five years. Awesome. Very cool. Now, please inform the two-man power trip of wrestling audience just where they can find not only everything there is, Frankie Kazarian online, but also please send everybody in the direction of Vex Temper because we uh, really implore everyone to check it out. But please tell us where we can find everything. Gotcha. Uh, well, I'm at Frankie Gazarian on Twitter. Uh, uh, that's pretty much the only social media I have. I have an Instagram account, but I am terrible at it, so I'm trying to work on that. And I pretty much update all my stuff on there. Uh, Vex Temper is Vex Temper Music uh, Twitter handle. And it's so uh, we're really, really uh, green in the uh, social media. We're really just trying to get the name out there and, Hopefully you have some demos out there for everyone to listen to in the next three to six months. Um, you know, we're all working in, in the band, so it's not like that's our number one priority. So, but we are, we are, uh, we are advancing in that. So Vex Temper Music is that, and I hope to be a lot more active um, in letting the world know what we're doing and posting videos and audio snippets and stuff and, and uh, sharing my music, you know, sharing a, a different, side of me creatively with the world. Well, that's